A couple of weeks ago, I made mention of the fact that God created you as an original and not as a copy. Because originals are worth more. And God made you an original. And he has given you a unique shape to fulfill the purpose for which he has created you. Last week, we talked about how in architecture, form follows function. In other words, you tell me what you want to build, and I will tell you how to build it. And yet with human beings, it is the exact opposite. Function follows form. You look at the way God has formed you, the way he has shaped you, and then you will discover what he wants you to do. And God has some things, some unique things that he wants you to do. Last week, we had a person on the street interview. This week, we have got a person in the pew interview, Marty. Well, good morning again. I am here with Kena Westbrook. Now, Kena has, I've torn her away from the children's building for just a few minutes here because I wanted to interview her. I, I had the ple pleasure of meeting you at a Bible study, and I love you to death. She's an awesome woman of God. But tell us about your spiritual gift or your, your kind of your, what you do. Um, one of my spiritual gifts is teaching. And you do that back in the kids area. I now, kid um, in club four or five upstairs. So that's fourth and fifth graders for those of you who aren't real familiar with how we do stuff. Now tell me about what it is that you do in that time. So during that time, we have a large group time. And then from that large group time, we break up into a small group time. We separate the girls from the boys. And I am one of the facilitators for the girls. So I help the fourth and fifth grade girls understand God's words a little bit better help them know how they can apply it um, to their lives in the fourth and fifth grade. Now, this means you get into their life a little bit. So that, that's so good. So tell me, like on a Sunday when you've served and you've had all these little girls around you and you're pouring into them, how does that make you feel when you get home and you know, you know what, I'm, I've been volunteering today and I've been doing what God called me to do. Tell me about that. It's a wonderful feeling. Number one, I know I'm being obedient to God's word. Number two, when they tell you um, how things are going, even the good things and some of the bad things, you know that you've had an influence on them and you've helped them to understand um, how God sees them through that situation. So it's, it's very heartwarming. Do they stay on your mind all week? They do. They do. Through birthdays and tests and and neighborhood things and little brother issues and big brother issues and I'm always praying for the kiddos. That's wonderful because we got to get into their lives a little bit and that's what it's like to volunteer. So thank you so much. Back to you, Pastor All George. right, Kina. God has a unique calling on your life because he's given you a unique shape. And shape is an acrostic. It stands for our spiritual gifts, our hearts, our abilities, our personality, and our experiences in life. Last week, we took a look at S. This week, we're going to take a look at H. Take a look at Proverbs 27, verse 19. As a, as a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the person. 
When he talks about heart here, he's talking about your interests, your passions, your desires. He's talking about the emotional part of you. He's not talking about the intellectual part. He's talking about the emotional part. That your desires, your ambitions, your drives, those things that excite you. The Bible talks a lot about this. The Bible says that your heart truly affects everything in your life. It affects what you say, it affects what you do, it affects how you feel. In fact, the Bible says that you have a unique heart, not just emotionally, but physically. Do you realize that? Your physical heartbeat is different from anybody else's, just like your thumbprint or your eye print is. It's different physically, but it's also different emotionally. There are some things that excite you, and there are other things that just bore you stiff. There are some things that you can talk about for hours, right? And there are other things you don't want to talk about at all. God gave each and every one of us all different emotional heartbeats. Why? Because he wanted to get things done. If we all were alike, there wouldn't be a lot done in this world. God has given us different interests. How many of us here would say that you are, that that you don't just like dogs, but you are a dog lover? Let me see your hands. Just get a, I mean, you are a dog lover. You're probably sitting next to a person who likes cats, is my guess. They didn't raise their hands, okay? They're weird people. Now, don't write me any cards, okay? How many of us here don't just love football, but we are a football fanatic? Can I see your hands? Not very many. They must all be in front of the TV right now watching TV, okay? The truth is we all have different interests. We all have different interests. Where in the world do those things come from? Folks, they come from God. He hardwired them within you. Take a look at Philippians 2, verse 13. It is God who produces in you the desires and actions that please him. God made you you, and he wants you to be interested in the stuff that you're interested in. Honestly, he gets pleasure when you are interested in the stuff that he's hardwired within you. Now, this is a very important point, and so I want you to write this down. When you do what God has created you to do, what your heart tells you you need to do, two things result, fruitfulness and fulfillment. You will be fruitful and you will be fulfilled. One is an attitude, the other one is an action. One is an attitude When you wake up in the morning to go to work, you have one of two choices. You can have the attitude, good morning, Lord, or good Lord, it's morning, okay? (laughs) Honestly, every morning I wake up, I think, God, thank you for another day. I love LifePoint, and I love the ministry. The other way that you know that you're doing what God made you to do is that you're good at it. You're productive, you're creative, you're effective, And that gives you passion to do what you do. That word passion is just another word for heart. God gave you a heart. He gave you passions. Why? Because only passionate people get things done. 
Only passionate people change the world. You won't accomplish a whole lot if you are not passionate about it. And God puts passion in you because guess what? He wants the world to be transformed. Moses was passionate about freeing people from slavery. Paul was passionate about spreading the gospel. William Wilberforce was passionate about abolishing slavery in the commonwealth. Martin Luther was passionate about reforming Christianity in the 1500s. Martin Luther King Jr. was passionate about equality and justice. And all of these different individuals changed their world. God wants your world to be changed as well. But you can only influence people if you're passionate about it. And so today we're gonna take a look at uncovering our passions because when you and I understand what they are, you will give it your best shot and what will happen is that you will produce fruit that will glorify God. Jesus spoke about this. In John 15, he says, I want you to produce much fruit because it brings glory to God. Folks, he made your heart and your passions and he hardwired them in you because he wants them to shine out into the world. He wants the light that he has placed in you, in essence, through your passions to shine out into a dark world that we live in. He doesn't want you to cover it up. I was thinking of the song, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, put it under a bushel. No! No, he wants your life to shine through your passions. And as you do that, guess what? It brings glory to God. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You and I were made to shine. However, as life goes on, that light tends to dim, doesn't it? It tends to maybe fade as we travel down the world of life and we experience the reality of the world that we live in and that God never intended. Why? What keeps you and I from shining our light through our passions in the world that he has placed us in? What keeps me from following my heart? Five things this morning because you and I have to address this first before we can follow the passions that God has, had, uh, has placed in our hearts. The first thing that stops or hinders my passions, my heart, and it's the most common, is disappointment. You see, when you've been hurt, you tend to pull back into a shell and you give up on your dreams your ambitions, your desires. You pull back into a protective mode. Take a look at Proverbs 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you pull back into a protective mode, you will not be in a productive mode, meaning that you will just be existing and not really living. 
Disappointment, common. The second heart stopper really is fear. The fear of uh, of failure can be a self-imposing prison. Can it not? Jesus gave a parable about this uh, of three guys who he gave three different amounts of talents to. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, and still another he gave one talent. The five-talent guy went out and he used all of his talents and got five more. He had ten. The two, and, and Jesus said, uh, the, or the master said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. To the two-talent guy, he invested all the talents that he had and he got two more. He had a total of four. And the master said, well done. To the guy who he gave one talent to, it says that he buried it. He hid it. And the master asked him why. Because I was afraid. Folks, anxieties and fears within us cause us to bury our talents. Take a look at Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. The third heart stopper is guilt. And this is a big one. You cannot be guilty in pursuing your passions at the same time. Why? Because guilt takes an enormous amount of energy out of you. It is like carrying, you know those big green or blue trash bands that the cities give us that we dump our trash in, that we have to roll out in front of our houses uh, one day a week? It's like carrying one of those things on our backs. All the garbage, all the mistakes, all the flops, failures, and fumbles. And as we dwell on those things, it just sucks the life out of us. Because we oftentimes think, what if people found out? God never intended for you and I to walk around in guilt. He paid dearly for that guilt to be removed. He was hung up for our hang-ups. Take a look at Psalms 40, verse 12. My sins have caught up with me so I can no longer see I have lost heart. There's disappointment, there's fear, there's guilt. The fourth heart stopper really is bitterness. Bitterness will eat you and I alive. It is the worst kind of heart disease that you can have because it gets your eyes off of what you are supposed to do and it gets your focus on those who have hurt you. It gets your eyes off of the present and the future and it causes you to look at the past. And what happens when you and I are looking out the rear view mirror of, what, uh, of all that has happened in our past is that we get a wreck in the present. As your pastor, I just want to say this. God is sorry for the things that have happened. And I'm sorry. I hear a lot of stories. But don't stand in it. Walk through it and work on it to let it go. Take a look at Psalm 73, 21 through 22. When my heart was bitter and I was angry, I was senseless. The fifth heart stopper is rejection. Anyone who has ever experienced rejection, I don't know, from a friend, a pal, a professional, a partner, knows how that hurts your heart. Take a look at Psalm 64, verse 3. They cut me down with sharpened tinges. They aim their bitter words like arrows straight 
at my heart. Some of you growing up have been, have, were, were told some very hurtful things that are still affecting you today. As you were growing up, maybe you were told, you know what, you're not gonna amount to anything. <laughs> you're worthless. You'll never be successful in life. And what is so tragic about that is that when you're young, you believe those things. And as you get older, you know that they're not true, but you play that tape again and again and again. I want you to know something, though. Those things are lies. And you and I need to erase those tapes. You need to stop listening to lies, and you've got to start listening to truth. And God is truth. And he has said, I have planned you before the foundations of the world. I had you in my mind. And I made you and I shaped you in a unique way because I have a unique purpose for your life. And part of it is your heart that I want you to shine in this world. Because I want this world to be transformed. The only way that happens, folks, is you and I get our eyes off of others, and we learn to live for the audience of one person. You and I don't need the approval of others. We've got to stop listening to the voices of our past, and we have got to listen to what God has to say. And God says this, don't quit. Though your light may have grown dimmer, don't quit. Let me Reshape it. Let me help you rediscover your heart that you have lost through the years. And folks, that is my prayer for you. That you will rediscover because God has placed that heart in you. What he has made. Look at this verse out of Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. How do, you, how do you and I do that? How do you do that when your heart is hurting? When your heart has been beaten up and it is bruised and it has been battered by disappointment and fear and guilt and bitterness and resentment. How do you do that? Because oftentimes as we go down the road, those are the things that work against the light. There are five things that you and I need to do. The first one is this. You've got to open up your heart to Jesus. Nobody can heal a heart, folks, like Jesus. I don't care what heartache you may have or what habit you are dealing with or what hang-up you can't get over. God can heal your heart. God gave you that heart and he wants to heal that heart. And he wants you to offer it to him. And unless you place it under his control, it will be misused and misapplied. It will be abused and it will be misdirected. God did not give you 
that heart so that you can do whatever you want with it. No, not at all. And yet millions and millions and millions of people are doing their own thing with their passions. And, and, and when God sees that, he, it breaks his heart. He says, I never gave it to you for that. And in spite of people just kind of doing their own things with the passions that they have, guess what? They're still miserable and unhappy. In fact, will you write this down? Passions misused make you miserable. Now, some of us may be sitting in here and we may be thinking, but Pastor George, it's not like I'm misusing my passions. I, I just don't have any passions. Well, you know what that means, don't you? It just means that you're not connected to God. And why would I say that? Because when you are connected to God, when you are plugged into God, you will have 220 volts running through your body. The more connectivity you have with God, step two, teaching you the, the principles and the tools and how to do it. The more you're connected to God, the more passion, the more energy, the more enthusiasm you will have in life. You see, God is an emotional God. He, 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 he made you to love you. He, he died for you. The Bible says he shouts over you with shouts of joy. And when you spend time connecting with God, guess what? You're going to be energized because you're hanging out with someone who's going to influence you. We tend to become like people we hang out with. In fact, in the Greek, enthusiasm means or, in, or I should say enthusiasm in the Greek means in theos, in God. When you and I are in God, when you and I are connected to God, when we are plugged in to God, folks, we're going to have more energy and passion about life. And that's what it's going to take to change your world. That's why Jesus stands at the door of our hearts and he's knocking. He says, will you let me in? Just let me in. Second thing, after you've opened up your heart to Jesus is that you must allow Jesus to heal your heart. You see, I have this philosophy of life that everybody is a walking, wounded person. Each and every one of us here has been wounded in some way or another, maybe by disappointment or fear or guilt or rejection or hurt. And as your pastor, I want you to know that God cares. He really does. Psalms 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. When you and I go through something that, that it's hurtful, where our heart is breaking, whatever it may be, some fear, some rejection, some hurt, it doesn't matter. God draws closer to people. It may be a physical hurt. What I've also discovered in life is that a lot of times we want to run away from those things when God wants us to pursue them. I have found that it's the wounded hearts that are the best healers of others. But we're wounded. And God cares. In Psalms 34 it says that he even wants to save us. What 
does that mean? How does he do that? How does he save our life, folks? By giving us a new heart. To the heart that's guilty, he gives a forgiving heart. To the heart that's resentful, he gives a peaceful heart. To the heart that's anxious, he gives a confident heart. To the heart that's lonely, he gives a heart of love. To the heart that's bitter, he gives a generous and kind heart. And God says, I am close and I want to save you. I want to save your heart because I placed it in you and it is precious in my sight. I want you to be free from those hurts and that rejection and that guilt. Why do we need freedom? It's because, folks, we're enslaved. We're enslaved by the expectations of others. We're enslaved by the fear of the future. We're enslaved by past memories. We're enslaved by the stresses of everyday life. But when you give your heart to Jesus and you allow him to heal your heart, folks, he sets it free. Take a look at Psalms 119 verse 32. This was a life verse for me. When I was going through college, I, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. When we offer our hearts to Jesus and we allow him to heal it, folks, he frees us up. And you and I have no earthly idea all that God will do in you and through you as you offer your hearts and you allow God to heal them. The third thing you do is that you listen to your heart. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you listened to your heart that God gave you? When was the last time? You want to know what the challenge of that is? We live in a hurried lifestyle, do we not? We are going 100 miles an hour. We're so busy, we're so hurried that we can't even hear our heartbeat. We have to have watches tell us that our heart is beating. <laughs> Guess what? God wants you and I to listen to our hearts by slowing down our lifestyle. I'm working on a whole series on that. First part of January. You don't want to miss it. We're always in a hurry to get things done. And God says this, I just want you to slow down. And I want you to listen to your heart. Why? So that we can examine it. It's a principle out of Romans 12, 3. Where Paul says, be honest in your estimation of yourselves. What I would suggest that you do is that you get some time alone. I would suggest that you take step three. Okay? You take step two, and it really primes this point. But I would encourage you to go to step three today, too. I'd just go to step three. Because in step three, you're going to learn some questions that you need to begin asking yourselves. 
And there are four that I've placed in your outline. What do I love to do? What do I dream of doing? What fascinates me? And where have I been most effective? We gotta examine. Take a look at Galatians 6, 4, and 5. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best that you can with your own life. Why? Because you're different from everyone else. Examine your heart. Find out the heart that God has put into you. Open it up. Let Jesus heal it. Number four, look at my options. Find out all, the, all that you can about what might interest you. In other words, you gotta think about it. You gotta study it. You gotta do your due diligence. Proverbs 19, verse two says, desire without knowledge. He's talking about our passions. It's not good. And to be over hasty is to sin and miss the mark. He's saying, whatever you do, don't be reckless. Don't be careless. Don't be irresponsible. Check things out. When I started LifePoint Church 30 years ago, folks, I did a massive amount of research. I I studied the demographics that were this thick, and I went through virtually every page. I looked at my upbringing because I believe God was bringing me to Plano and I thought, you know what? There has to be a cultural match. This, I have to match the community is here. It's not gonna change to match me. And so I, did, I just did a survey. Hey, what's my upbringing like? I surveyed the community. I read books. I talked with mentors of mine. I looked at different models. I got advice. I talked to almost every city councilman and the mayor to find out about this community. And in March 12, 1989, we launched with about 12 people. And we had no building and no budget. But guess what? We had a plan and we had a target. So how do you start going after your heart? Will you write down these three words? You educate, you examine, and you experiment. You educate, you examine, and you experiment. And that is what our ministry fair is about. I want you to go out after service and just get involved in one. Experiment a little bit. You don't have, when you sign up, you're not there for life unless you choose to be, and that's where it's at. But experiment. This leads to the fifth thing. If you're going to restart your heart, if you're going to reshape your heart, you, number five, must launch out in faith. You must expect God to bless your launching out. And why in the world wouldn't he? When you are pursuing what he has created you to do, the passions that he's, folks, he's going to. But understand this, there will be a faith, there will be a fear factor that will creep up in regards to second guessing yourself. It's kind of like a trapeze artist. As you begin to pursue this heart that has been buried, I don't know, 40 years, 50 years, 
you've gotten comfortable with one bar and you just kind of swing on that bar. But God is challenging you to go for the next bar. And there's fear in that. But you go for it. And you let go of one to grab the other. And there is a moment in time, guess what? You are just hanging in the air. Nothing is holding you up but God. And that is when the rush of life comes in. As you begin to discover the God that you've placed your faith in. You will begin to realize, and I've realized this again and again and again at various challenges of my life. That God is all you need when God is all you've got. Sometimes that's all you got. But that's okay. Take a look at this verse. It's a promise. Psalms 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. I can think many a time where that's been the case. Okay, God, you don't come through? I'm screwed, God. Delight yourself in the Lord. God, it's about you. I'm attempting to pursue the shape that you've given me. Delight yourself in the Lord. Put God first. God, you made me for this. And then he will give you the desires of your heart. Folks, that's a promise. And let me tell you what happens, what will happen within you when you begin living your heart. You will stop worrying about status and you will start enjoying significance. You will stop competing for position and you will start enjoying pleasure. You will stop obsessing about money and you will start obtaining meaning. Life is not about the accumulation of things. Purpose in life triumphs over prosperity every day of the week. It is always more fulfilling to have something to live for than it is to have something to live on. And when you become what God has created you to be, step two, the tools. Step three, discovering how he shaped you. You will be able to say, like David in Psalms 4, you, Lord, have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and wine. That is my prayer for you. That you will be fulfilled and that you will be fruitful. That you will allow the heart that God has given you to shine out so that this world can be transformed. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that we are the apple of your eye. 
You think about us day and night. You've even said in your word in Job that if you returned your thoughts to yourself, that we would, we would perish. We would turn into dust. God, you think about us all the time. You love us. You made us to love us. And you want us to love you back. Have you invited Christ into your heart? It's not just an intellectual thing. It's a heart thing. Have you dropped him from your head? You've known about Christ. You've had, I don't know, Christmas is coming. Yeah, he was born, you know, that kind of a thing. You've got him in your head, but have you dropped him into your heart? The Bible says he's standing at the door and he's knocking. Will you let him in? If you haven't done that this morning, that's the first step. You've got to offer your heart to him. Will you do that by just simply maybe saying this prayer? God, I admit I've blown it. I am empty and I am unfulfilled. And as I look at my life, I don't see a lot of fruit. I see a lot of chaos and, 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 and a lot of chaos and, and hurt. And, and, and it's just a mess, God. But I believe you love me. And I believe you love me so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. And God, you pro proved to me that what he said, I could take the bank because he resurrected. I thank you for that. And right now, I want to open the door of my heart and invite him in. Will you do that? Just say, Jesus, come on in. And thank him. God, thank you. Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for the forgiveness of them. Thank you that I don't have to uh, carry guilt around with me. You've forgiven it, God. Thank you for the future that I have, that it's a bright future. Thank you for your acceptance. God, I thank you that you'll never reject me, God. Thank you. And will you take a step of faith and let me know if you did that in your way. Just take the communication card. And just write on your name, maybe an email address, and check the appropriate box in the back and throw it in the offering basket as it goes by. And, I'll, and when I get them, I'll, I'll send you some literature that'll help you understand what you've just done. God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you made us. I thank you that you shaped us. I thank you, God, that we have a unique purpose, calling. We got some fun, unique things that you've want us to do and we look forward to them God may we be found as good stewards of, in, of, of investing the talents that we have all of them for your glory and for the good of others in Christ's name we pray amen